Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut. I am Sean Leary. Thank you once again for listening to your only place in the Quad Cities for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. And we have got a guest I've been trying to get on for a while. I approached him a while back. I'm glad that he has agreed to be a guest on the show. Joe Lemon, who is a local um, businessman, financier. He is, now your official title, are you the owner of Abbey Station and also the Abbey here in Bettendorf. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So together with my family, and in this case, that's my parents, we've mm-hmm. been develop, uh, work, working in the Quad Cities, doing development and operating businesses of various kinds since the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And my dad is from Rock Island, so we consider ourselves to be pretty, pretty local folks. Cool. Now, of course, you know the Abbey Station, you know the Abbey, um, and one reason why, obviously, you might be listening to the show is because Joe has come forward with an offer for the Rock Island County Courthouse, and that has been the subject of a lot of heated discussion over the past year or so, and um, we're going to talk to him today about some of this, and we're going to ask him some of the questions. We put the story out there on, Q- on quadcities.com. And uh, got a number of uh, people questioning, you know, asking things, and I want to get, you know, answers from you. So let's get started with how this whole thing began. Now, obviously, the courthouse was slated for demolition. There were a number of folks locally who did not agree with that, thought that they weren't going through due process, and um, wanted to try and save the courthouse. Now, when did you sort of come into the... Were you there from the beginning? Were you one of those people who was sort of like, hey, yeah, that's a good idea? Or did you kind of come in later on? When did you sort of enter the picture, Joe? Well, my business life is actually quite full already, so I was not looking for a new project. So in Bettendorf, as you point out, we have the Abbey, which is presently an addiction treatment center for the last decade or so. And we're very proud of the work that we do here, helping hundreds and hundreds of people every year. That takes a lot of my time and attention. You mentioned also Abbey Station, which is the former Rock Island train depot. Uh, Like the Abbey, it's another historic property. Both of these buildings are over 100 years old. And in each instance, we invested millions of dollars to uh, restore them and to repurpose them. Uh, So in the case of Abbey Station, it's one of the best uh, banquet facilities we have in the region. Mm -hmm. So we have really one of the leading addiction treatment centers in America in Bettendorf here, the Abbey Center, and then Abbey Station, this great uh, banquet facility. In addition, we own a lot of commercial real estate in the Quad Cities, and uh, so we're landlords to principally to commercial tenants. And, and we have other business interests uh, throughout the country. So in my case, I really wasn't looking for another project. Mm-hmm. And uh, historic preservation takes a lot of time and, and energy. And so I was disinclined to get involved. But as it became more evident that the county was not going to, to take care of the building and to preserve it, um, I, I became more interested because it struck me as, a, as a, an emergency, really. Mm-hmm. And then the real catalyst, to be candid, is a colleague of mine from from Western Illinois University, who's a professor there in the uh, counseling department. And her name is Leslie O'Ryan, Professor O'Ryan, and she's a wonderful community member who supports historic preservation. She and I and her other colleagues at Western Illinois, we work hand in glove in, in helping people in the community. So in their case, they're training uh, practitioners to be counselors, and in the case of the Abbey, we hire those people to help the patients who come to our facility. Mm-hmm. So she and I have been colleagues for a long time, and she made a personal appeal to me to ask if I would get involved. And candidly, I thought that 
just the mere mention that I had an interest that the county would come to the table immediately and say, well, Mr. Lemon has, uh, again, together with his parents and his family, have done this great project in Bettendorf, uh, restoring the former monastery there, repurposing it now twice, and then in the case of the train depot, doing that great thing within Rock Island County, something that everybody should be familiar with, surely we should talk to Mr. Lemon because he's had this prior experience. So I went to a county board meeting and I brought pictures of Abbey Station uh, mm -hmm. and a, a, our pride and joy in Rock Island. And later that evening, uh, people probably know that we were brutally vandalized and people threw rocks through the windows, they broke in, they took the fire extinguishers, set them off uh, and caused thousands and thousands of dollars worth of damage. Uh, we went both to the, the police and, and the city of Rock Island and to the FBI uh, and everybody uh, on the law enforcement side agreed that the two events were, were related, meaning my appearance at the county board and then the later vandalism that occurred that night and only that night in the 20 years prior to that there was no vandalism what okay this 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 is weird yeah um so the fbi said that they felt that the two were correlated did they have any evidence of that or was that just conjecture was that just something that i mean obviously it is it's a very strange coincidence yeah um what did you well one what did you say at the meeting um and was there any sort of hint of, like, you know, there was any strong resistance or negativity that was coming at you that would have foreshadowed anything of this nature when you think about it in retrospect? Well, I, I, I began my comments, which were quite limited to the three minutes that they give you as a member of the public. Uh, and I, I recited part of what they call the moonshot speech from mm -hmm. uh, President Kennedy, mm -hmm. and who talked about g going to the moon and how, how we, we as Americans would do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard and because we are talented and we can accomplish those things. And it was that, that was kind of the sentiment that I brought to the project to say, I understand that, that restoring this 126-year-old courthouse is going to take some work and it's owned by a public entity and, and maybe some private people can help with this. I know this is hard, but it's worth it, mm -hmm. just like President Kennedy told us or suggested to us. And in fact, uh, there were people on the board after my comments who said, we would like to vote to revisit this issue in light of Mr. Lemon's interest in this. Now, who were those members? Um, it was, uh, in particular, the person who made the motion was, I think his name is Mike Steffen. And, and, uh, Regrettably, he, he lost his seat, although I have to tell you that the person who replaced him is also interested in preserving the courthouse. Okay. But um, Mr. Stephan, uh, together with his colleagues, got into a debate about the, actually the technical Roberts Rules of Orders, and uh, they, they beat him back. And, and though there was a lot of interest among the board members to revisit it, on procedural grounds, they said, we're, we're going to pursue the demolition. Okay. And so the steps that followed thereafter were a local architect named Lo Milani filed a lawsuit. I sponsored him in that uh, and was ha happy to was help. Was after the vandalism thing? That was after the vandalism. So yeah. what, okay, so what happened? Is that the same night? Yeah, so... The, so was this in the, you know, the, this was like a big deal or something? Or was this, this is all oh, over... It was covered in the news. Covered in the news and everything. Oh, yeah. And, and nobody said, like, this is kind of strange? In fact, on the contrary, uh, the people among the board um, kind of scoffed at this and denied the fact that the two things were related. And I've, I've mentioned it 
periodically, not to complain, but just to point out that it really reflects poorly on our community that when you have a disagreement with someone that, that you turn to violence as a means of, right. of how you address it. And so um, they, I have to say that the, the county board, I think, has treated those of us who support preservation quite disrespectfully. And they, um, everything from not paying attention to us when we do have the short opportunities to express ourselves to denying us the opportunity to have a hearing on, on the matter, uh, it bears mentioning that they did have a hearing or, or testimony, I should say, provided uh, that talked about how great it would be to tear down the building. That was in April. Mm. So they and, and incidentally, that was after a lawsuit was filed by Landmarks Illinois to enjoin them from demolishing the building. And I mentioned that only to say that it was after that lawsuit was filed that they brought in. The, this presentation talking about the, the benefits of demolition, we've asked for equal time. They've denied us on the basis that, well, it's in, in litigation and therefore we can't ha talk about the subject what's, whatsoever, which is in direct contradiction to what they actually did mm -hmm. in having the presentation about the benefits of demolishing it. So it's it's just you know kind of crazy making. We, we petitioned to have a rally in support of the courthouse and the sheriff denied us and that's a right that's protected by the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. So, right, right. so there's you know serious violations going on. And by the way, set all that aside, wouldn't you want as a leader, as an elected official, to say how can I work cooperatively with the community right. rather than to be oppositional with them? Now, why is that? That's the whole thing that's been so strange to me. And then. As you know, I've said I know I know people on the county board, and they're good people. They, you know, I've known them for a, a while, and you know, I you know have been friends with them, um, and they seem like they have the best interests of the county at heart, and that's why this to me just seems strange. And as a journalist, I always want to get the most information that I can. And I want to get the most information I can out to people so they can make up their own minds. And I've asked other people on the board to be on this show because I want to hear it. I don't want to just, you know, I'm hearing mostly one side. And I've heard some because I talked to Mayor Mike Tomes and he said, you know, he had, you know, some, he told me kind of like the, the perspective of the other side. And that's on this show. If you want to go back and listen to my last conversation with Mike. Um, and he mentioned something about the fact that they were looking at uh, utilizing that. They wanted to keep the land because they had future plans for it. And that make, to me, that, that makes sense logically. But um, this also makes sense logically, too. And honestly, I think, you know, the best thing to do would be to hear all sides to get all perspectives and instead of just going ahead with one particular um to really look at all the different avenues and also to get all the information out there to the public so they can make up their mind because some of the stuff seems very reasonable and other stuff like talking about potential snipers in downtown rock island just seems ridiculous so i don't get it i don't i just don't get like this whole thing when you're you know you said about the the break-in and whatever that again seems completely ridiculous i can't imagine anybody on the county board going out with ski masks or something and vandalizing the abbey i, I don't think it I, I'd, I'd like to think it would never be anybody like that I, maybe it's somebody who's just ticked off or whatever i don't know but um that seems that's strange too i mean this whole thing is just a bizarre it's something that should seem much more straightforward and it's bizarre and labyrinthine as opposed to just being a straight up conversation and that to me is 
is very odd. Yeah. Well, I think that, that in fairness to all the people who are involved, particularly on the county board side, there is a systemic problem, and that is having 25 members of a board. And that's an unwieldy number, and I don't think anybody would recommend that that number of people to do any decision-making. Uh, that's tough. Yeah. And so if you think about other, other cities like San Francisco or Chicago, or counties, I should say, San Francisco is a city and a county, uh, Cook County, for right, in yeah. the case of Chicago, they would have way fewer uh, supervisors or board members. Um, Alameda County, where Oakland is in California, you know, I think they have five or maybe seven. Mm -hmm. Again, with you know millions of people, not not a hundred thousand people. Right. So I think that that there is a, a systemic problem there, and and it's hard to develop uh, majorities. I don't think that they talk among themselves very much. They don't talk. Uh, in, in an open forum very much. I think, you know, I have to tell you, I think that, that a lot of them try to, to get those meetings to be as short as possible. Mm -hmm. I have to say that a lot of them seem to be mostly interested on what stipend they will get on any particular day mm -hmm. and whether they will collect that stipend if they participate by phone, uh, telephonically, or if they have to show up. And so there's a lot of problems with people who don't really want to participate in the process. And, if, and, if, and I, I guess respectfully, if they if 20 people wanted to opine about something 25 people wanted to talk about something that would take you know if they all took two minutes it takes an hour yeah, right? right so right. so i respect the, the the logistical part of that but i have to tell you that that the you know why would people throw rocks through my windows at sure. abbey station in retaliation to play devil's advocate yeah i mean yeah. it yeah. is a weird coincidence i'm not denying that that yeah. is very strange yeah so i'm just curious as to like what do you think i mean what what's the what would be the end game in something like that you well, know I, I i think that the the purpose was to try to intimidate me and it actually had the opposite effect so mm -hmm. it, it really galvanized me and made me say well there, you know clearly this is an important thing to pursue and and who would have done it and why um, I I think that people who were expecting to be paid for the demolition big companies uh, were looking to make millions of dollars and they thought that if if we wanted to preserve the building that that would somehow uh, jeopardize their income and whether or not it was at the direction of the leaders of those companies or whether it was a misunderstanding of, of people at a lower level who thought somehow this would compromise their paycheck um, you know some Somebody took action in that regard, and and for reasons that I and we should say this is all conjecture. This is all your opinion and theory that we don't have any. I don't know if there's any evidence in regard to any of this. This is all just an opinion and a discussion here. Yeah, well, I mean, you asked me. I mean, you've you've asked me for this interview, and I'm telling you my my okay. thoughts and experience. And and well, like I said, I I like getting all the information yeah. out there. Let anybody say what they're going to say, and then if anyone would like to counter sure this, well, I welcome you to come on the show and do so. I I I want all sides and all information to be out there as as transparent as possible. And what I have to tell you, Sean, what surprised me was that anybody who was in favor of the demolition would have such anger about it. And I can tell you, I've been at countless meetings where either elected or appointed officials have been really aggressive with those of us who have said, gee, we'd like to save this thing. Mm -hmm. And we're hardly... Um, this is hardly a, a controversial issue. This is right. it's 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 preserving a public asset, yeah. and so I don't I don't know what what their anger is is coming from. But I mean, people have thrown things at us in meetings. People have said, seriously, yeah, 
like the like what? Well, there's a guy named Mike Went, and he serves on the Public Buildings Commission meeting. Mm-hmm. And when we're provided with a public comment, if he determines that we've talked for too long, he's thrown his telephone at us, and um, he, he barks things. I record these sessions. He's thrown his telephone at you? Not at me, but at, at a colleague of mine. Uh, and how far is how far of a distance is that throw? I mean, we're talking like you're sitting next to him, and they, he's like, "Hey, get, cut it short." Well, or I mean, throwing it across the room. Yeah, I mean, is this in the public? Is this in the public record yeah, that yeah. this has happened? Yeah, so okay. The, the reporter Sarah Hayden covered this story. Okay. And um, he's been. Excuse he, my ignorance. I'm yeah. making sure that I'm getting all the details here. No, I mean, it, it, you again, you, Mike. If you're listening and you're like, that never happened. Come on the show and tell me yeah, that never happened. Give me your side of the story. But I'm just letting everybody have their have their say. No, I I don't know what possesses this person to carry such anger around and and why he would want to serve on a a public board if he's incapable of having the the right disposition to do so but he's he was very he's been very rude to us and um and all we've done is is volunteer our time for the benefit of the community and for what it's worth walter broad has inserted himself he's the former chief judge of of the local uh circuit here and i don't i don't know i mean friends of his tell me that he's He's uh, mentally lost it, and and people have known him for for decades. And Again, that is allegedly. I can't, you know, you're this Joe. What's your? I've got to throw that in. It's just all yeah. hearsay. Well, you know, uh, if John, uh, the Chief Justice John Roberts is presiding over the impeachment trial right now, and um, I think that he is exhibiting the kind of decorum that you would want from uh, from a judge. And in in the case of Judge Broad, he refuses to have uh, decorum, and instead he he views this as a very personal problem. He's described it as a personal fight. Re- read his comments. And so, in the case of my colleague Bridget Ehrman, who happens to work with school children, he he looked her in the face and he said, "You know, you work with children. Thank God you're not teaching my children." I mean, he's an angry, spiteful, uh, horrible person. I don't get. Yeah, I don't really get. The, I don't really get why you'd be angry about it. I mean, well, honestly, no, 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 no. Just anybody would be. Honestly, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not trying to sound, sound cavalier, but I'm completely self-interested in regard to this. As somebody who owns a house in Rock Island, is in Rock Island County, I'm entirely self-interested in this regard. In the fact that um, if they came out, if the board came out and, and had a study and it said uh, it's going to be more fiscally responsible and your taxes are going to go down for us to demolish it, then. Sorry, Joe, but I'd be right on the side of the county board because, honestly, that's all I care about. All I care about is the fact, and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening uh, the same way. Yep. They want their taxes to be lowered. That's They're right. tired of their tax bill getting raised all the, every year. And, you know, when I see something like this and I see, wow, this is a way for there to be, ta- you know, it's going to come off the, ta- they're going to actually be tax revenue coming in instead of a tax drain um, and a consistent tax revenue uh, for the city and the county. That's something that I find attractive as somebody who was hoping for my taxes to go down at some point. Yeah. So, um, and I know a lot of other people feel this. And yeah, uh, fantastic. I, I would love to see the building restored and everything else. And I, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk in regard to that. But on the other hand, that's also secondary. If the building is decrepit and was not worthy of repair and they said it was going to be cheaper to demolish it, then I'd probably be on the side of demolishing it. And again, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to figure out what exactly the whole story is sure. so that we can get the, the accurate information so that people like me who are just kind of looking out for 
what's this going to do for our taxes? How's that going to this positively going to impact the city? How, what's going to be the best thing for the city and for the county? Right. That's what we want to know. Yep. And so that's why I'm trying to get a discussion with you and everybody else. Sure. So. Well, so I'm glad you're at, you're posing these questions. They're very important. I think about them a lot, particularly since I got involved in this courthouse issue, because what you've come to find out is that this bad decision that they've made about the demolishing the courthouse really is an example of many bad decisions that they're making. So the most current recent one is the decision to sell the Hope Creek nursing home. Maybe it's a good idea to sell it. I don't know. But they spent a $25 million to build it. And they they brought in a broker who said, we're going to get $19 million if we sell it, which, by the way, would only cover the debt that's outstanding on the nursing home at the $19 million. And he said the, the lowest that you could collect from, from the sale would be $12 million. Well, we now know that the highest bid that came in was $6 million and that the county is planning to accept that bid. So they are playing fast and loose with public assets and your finances all the time. Why? Because they view you and me and everybody else who, who lives and works in Rock Island County as a piggy bank. And they unilaterally raise our property taxes, now 20% in the last two years. So if you're asking the question, how does this benefit our community, it, it doesn't. And so how are people responding? Well, it, if, if you have a business person's uh, thinking about this kind of thing, you say, well, wait a minute, I'm shedding customers. I wonder, right. I wonder why they're leaving. Well, in the case of Rock Island County, there's a a pretty consistent exodus of residents and businesses that are leaving Rock Island County and moving to nearby Scott County, Iowa. Right. And, and a lot of people complain about Illinois and the taxes and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's right. usually one of the common refrains to knock Illinois. That's right. And, in, and, and I have friends who are business owners, and I've tried to get them to come over here, and they keep saying the same thing to me. Oh, Illinois taxes and the minimum wage, blah, 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 and all yep. that kind of junk. No, that's right. And so, so the people um, who are leaving don't come to the county board meeting and say, here's why I'm leaving. They're just leaving. And then so economists are left to you know, do the math and figure out why they're leaving. And the answer is because they keep raising our taxes. They're providing worse and worse services. And significantly, they're not attracting more business. And so just as you might have a, a virtuous spiral that seems to be going on in Scott County with all the development on 53rd Street and all the historic renovation in downtown Davenport, right. instead in Rock Island you have uh, this vicious cycle where bad decision-making leads to higher taxes, more bad decision-making, fewer people, lower tax rolls. In, in my case, as part of this whole process, I ask the question, well, what am I being, what are my properties being assessed at and is that fair? And we own seven properties in Rock Island County. To date, I have successfully, successfully appealed the assessment of six of them, by, lowered by as much as one-third of the value. So the, the government has agreed, we have been over-assessing you. Your, your property is really worth one-third less than what we've been telling you. And so I recommend that everybody go and get their property reassessed because you're likely being taxed at a much higher rate than the actual value of your property. And you would think that the county board would say, hey, we benefit from higher property values. How do we engage in policies that are going to drive property values, that drive economic recovery? Uh, and by the way, in, a, in an eco a national economy that is doing so well, why is Rock Island County going backwards? And why are they raising taxes when everywhere else they're lowering them? So it's and and. 
that gets us back to the courthouse. So the, the, the new so-called courthouse annex that they built to replace the historic courthouse was supposed to be a four-story building at a cost of around $28 million. It, that works out to be, in the case of this building, over $600 per square foot. By comparison, the uh, IH Mississippi Valley Credit Union is building its brand new headquarters, Glass and Steel, on River Drive, and they're doing that literally less than half the cost. It's a much more regal building, more, more beautiful, better architecture, and they're doing it at half the cost. So there's all kinds of uh, poor decision-making and perhaps benefiting certain contractors over others. Uh, the, the bidding process is suspicious. Um, and, and so as a result of all this, the four-story building, they didn't have enough money. Oh, and by the way, they had to create the Public Buildings Commission to raise the bonds for this money because they couldn't go to the public to, to get their vote to support the building. They had to create this extra non-elected agency to issue the bonds. In any case, there was supposed to be four stories. They reduced it to three. That resulted in, quote, unquote, leftover surplus money of about $1.6 million. And that's the money that they want to use to destroy the courthouse. So they're pretending that this is extra money. It's not. It's money. They're, they're, they've shortchanged themselves in the new building with a certain number of, of courtrooms and so forth. Um, and what they want to do, actually, is they want to destroy the historic courthouse, which is an injustice, and instead put in uh, a juvenile detention center. Why? Because they think that will be lucrative. They want to make money uh, over the incarceration of children, is what it amounts to. So it's a, it's a real problem. And and back to the tragedy part of this, we, we remember last... Just Let's stop just a second there. We're here at the Abbey, That's and right. we were talking, you know, when you um, came in about the uproar around the neighborhood for an addiction treatment center. That's right. I mean, I don't think that it's... When you're coming over the uh, bridge from Iowa and you want to appeal to people and say hey welcome to Rock Island it's a it's a great place and a great downtown to visit and we've got all these fantastic amenities and blah 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 the first thing you don't want to see is a jail for kids you know i mean honestly it's it's not as a public relations person i would not say that that is a fantastic welcome to rock island you know hey kids look you know big ben parliament you know juvenile detention center i mean really i i would prefer to see now the courthouse it's a stately building and yeah sure you know those of us who have been through divorces and things of that nature may not find it to be all that attractive in certain respects, but nevertheless, Joe, um, it is a very nice building. Um, I would, I mean, I would think from an aesthetic standpoint and from the fact that it is a gateway building, you would want something that is uh, more aesthetically and um, image-wise portrays a much more positive image of your city from an entrance way. I absolutely agree. And I think that I'm, I'm surprised that the city of Rock Island hasn't taken a more active and leading role in ensuring that we preserve it for the very reason that you state. So it is, it is the landing spot that you hit when you come from Iowa into Illinois. And it, it, it's a very regal building. And you cannot afford today to replicate that kind of architecture. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the stone that it's made out of is this, it's called Bedford Limestone. It comes from Indiana. It is the same 
material that they used to build uh, the Pentagon, to build uh, the Empire State Building. The, these are buildings that were built to last not just for decades, but for hundreds and hundreds of years. And as someone who has had all this experience with historic reservation, preservation, I can tell you that in the case of the Abbey in Bettendorf and Abbey Station in Rock Island, both of those buildings were in far worse condition than the courthouse is. And I would, I would much have much preferred if the Abbey or Abbey Station were in the state that the, that the courthouse is today uh, when we took it over because um, it w it's, it's in much better condition. And honestly, the bones are better. In the case of, of uh, the Abbey here in Bettendorf, it's brick and mortar and it's very stable, but it takes some maintenance. You have to tuck point it from time to time. Right. This, this limestone uh, of the courthouse, that's not going anywhere. And yes, does it need work on the inside? Absolutely. But we have we have experience at doing that kind of thing. It's e it's you can easily retrofit a building in an efficient way. By the way, the the co the utilities cost to operate the building. Every everybody says, "Oh my gosh, that's such a big old building. It must co cost you a fortune to keep it up." It's actually among the the most efficient uh, utilities wise buildings that we have, and we think we can do the same thing with the historic courthouse. So it's it it's got a a, a lot of life left in it. The renovation cost is is very modest compared to new construction and at the end of it you get this much better product like the the stuff that they built today is really disposable and and on that subject to take an entire building like this courthouse and to demolish it you know we're, we're you know increasingly concerned i think appropriately about environmental concerns um how many you know water bottles are we saving and, and aluminum cans are we saving well what about this enormous 60,000 square foot building that you just want to put right. in, in the dustbin? How wasteful is that? So um, we think it's a, there's not just the historic benefit, the cultural benefit, the aesthetic benefit, the use. It's, it, it would provide a valuable opportunity for people to use it. But on top of it, it would avoid this horrible environmental disaster, which is the waste of all, all of that uh, material. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the things that, again, um, sort of off the record, off the record, but that people don't want to come on the show, but I've talked to people, and one of the things that has been set up to this point is nothing's in writing. That's why yesterday's meeting was a turning point. And as I wrote on, in my column on quadcities.com, that was a game changer. Um, and I totally understood. Again, I'm like, I'm looking at both sides here. And if I'm on the county board, and yeah, you can say all you want to. Yeah, I want to do this. That's fantastic. But until I see the money, then how the heck do I know you're going to do it? Right. Well, yesterday, you put your money where your mouth is. And you came forward, and you had an offer, $500,000, half a million dollars, with an additional $8 million planned to help renovate it. Now, one of the things that people were asking was, is the $8.5 million secured? Is it just an offer? Or um, is, you know, is it solid? Is it a solid offer? Is it you coming in there, I have this money, here's a half a million dollars, let's do the paperwork and let's, we'll buy it up right now, I've got the other $8 million. Tell people how secure or not secure this money is. Is this a legit offer where the money's on the table, they could take it, and boom, this thing would be done with? 
Yeah, so um, th th I think that there's a lot of uh, both misunderstanding and misinformation about how these things work. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, th what we did last night is really different from the typical course. So usually what would happen is the governmental agency, city, or in this case a county, would put forward a request for proposals right. and, and submit that. Take multiple bids. Take multiple bids. And they want the most they can get. That's right. And that's what they're doing, by the way, with Hope Creek. And they have refused to do that in the case of the courthouse. Well, and also that has to be public because if it's a publicly owned building, then any sale of that building or use of that building has to be part of the public record because it's technically owned by us. It's owned by the taxpayers. I absolutely agree. And I... It's I, not that even you, you agree or you disagree. That's the law. Well, <laughs> I, I, I agree with no you. No offense, Joe, but I mean, I, I'm happy you agree with me. But, well, but that is the law. I mean, if it's a yeah. publicly held entity, you have to have public bid. Everything has to be public, subject to freedom of information requests, subject to anybody who wants to see it, who is a taxpayer, yep. because we own it. That's, uh, yes, and you're right, uh, and I, I'll agree with you anyway. <laughs> no, I don't have to. But uh, means so much to me, Joe. Thank you. It, uh, but but I, I agree with you in, in part also because I agree with the spirit of that, that mm -hmm. this, this building does not belong to a small cadre of the leadership of the board, but rather it it's uh, as you say. It's owned by all of us together, mm -hmm. and so it, it, we have a heightened duty to to work toward that asset. And so, what happened was a group of my colleagues went to the county administrator, whose name is Jim Snyder, and said, "Hey, what if we could bring to you some developers? Would you submit that to the board?" And he promised those people that he would. And so, I was asked to put forward um, basically a letter of intent. At that time, this is now more than a year ago, which I did, mm -hmm. and um, I, the, the the county administrator refused to submit those offers to the county board. So we've we've tried to do this kind of backwards since the county won't do it on it for its own part, and said, well, well, we'll make these offers already, and they refused to hear them, and so I have said, in meeting after meeting, I'm prepared to buy it. What's it worth? I don't know. Let's let's discuss it. And like you, I would like to see that done in a, in a real public, transparent way. And really, in large part, to try to foreclose the so-called arguments from the other side, I said, yeah, fine. Here's, here's a written offer. Um, I don't know why that strikes someone as, as more important than the other many offers. I've, mm -hmm. I've shown up at meetings with my checkbook, and I've said, let's do this now. Clarence Darrow, who sits on the public buildings. You legit, you literally would write a check. That, I, Boom, right there. You would have, if they would have said to you last night, okay, Joe, this looks reasonable, you would have said, you seriously would have sat down and wrote and written a check to them. I said, the county recorder is probably in the building. Let's record it tonight. Uh -huh. So, um, and in this instance, we have this proven track record of buying historic buildings, mm -hmm. in the case of the Abbey, from a private owner and in the case of Abbey Station, from the city of Rock Island. And then we performed everything that we said we were going to do in each of those instances have, and have been good stewards of those properties and good neighbors in the community everywhere we've been. Well, and that's, that's, that was going to be my next question, is when you bought the Abbey, when you bought Abbey Station, um, did you exhibit the same uh, procedural um, uh, did it go through the same procedures and did you sit and write a check to them cleared everything was cool 
um, everything went smoothly. So they could see that you had that track record and it's right there in black and white that, hey, this guy's legit. He's, you know, the money's there. He's going to, everything's going to be cool. Yeah, in the, in the case of the Rock Island tra- Train Depot, they, uh, the city of Rock Island approached us and asked us to do the project, and other people made other bids, but they preferred us over those other suitors because they knew that we would do a better job of operating it and making it accessible to the public, and in fact, I think that's what's happened. So I think that, that, the, in, that in that case, the city tried to cherry-pick whom they thought would be the best investor, and they selected us. Now, as it relates to how, how the funding comes through, you know, I, 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 you find yourself in this kind of awkward position of, it's not, not my preference to try to be a self-promoter, but I can tell you that, that we're uh, very credit-worthy when, when necessary. Um, I don't uh, need to borrow the money to do a project of this size. What, what, what I'm asking is because, obviously, if that weren't the case, if there were problems in the past, then they could point to that and say, well, yeah, but, you know, in the past we've had issues with Joe Lemon and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If that hasn't been the case and if everything's sailed through smoothly, then that's one less argument to be made against what you're proposing. Yeah, we, we have hardly any debt that, aside from credit card debt, that we pay off every month. And we, in, in the past, have been good borrowers who've paid off uh, our, our mortgages every month or in full. So um, we, we've, we've I, I think, been ideal business uh, uh, people in that regard. Um, the other, uh, you know, one of the biggest questions is um, what would you do with it? I mean, what, what plans do you have? I mean, obviously, even if some, even if they sold it to you, that was another thing that came up as well. You know, we don't want to sell it and then just have it sit there or have it go vacant or have it be utilized for a year or two. And then it goes under and then we've got this giant empty building in downtown Rock Island, you know, because God knows there aren't a lot of giant empty buildings in downtown Rock Island, including one right across the street that used to be a church. But I digress. Um, but we really don't. We don't need another giant empty building in downtown Rock Island. So what were your plans? And give me a good argument as to how those, why, why would those plans work? Yeah. You know, I mean, tell me why, tell the listeners why those would be feasible plans. Any studies you've done, any people you've talked to, to back up your argument of why my your plan for this would work, would be successful. Yeah. So when I first got involved in the preservation of the courthouse mission, I was advocating for us to put together what I was calling a blue ribbon committee mm-hmm. that would be composed of business leaders, elected officials from the county and from the city, uh, and, and uh, neighboring cities. And so uh, the mayor of Rock Island, Mike Tomes, volunteered to serve on that committee. The mayor of Moline, Stephanie Acri, volunteered mm-hmm. to serve on that committee. And so we have a lot of uh, enthusiasm. And the reason I wanted to have that kind of broad coalition was because it is a, a publicly owned building, and it is kind of in, the, in what you might call a public square. And so we want to find a use that's compatible and, and takes into mind what are the ambitions of the, of the local jurisdictions. So that was, that was our plan. Um, I have hesitated to articulate with particular specificity about what we would do, only because the, the people who have been opponents of this have chosen to... to pick up anything that we say mm-hmm. um, and and 
and call that out as a reason why we shouldn't be allowed to pursue it. So you mentioned earlier this issue of the snipers mm -hmm. and so forth, and you say, you, you know, it's, that, that's, a, that's a red herring, it's, it's a com complete myth, and, and we've dispelled that myth, and yet it still comes up. And so if I say, for example, we, we want to cure cancer for small children in that uh -huh. building, people will ha find some reason why we're, we ought not to do it there. Right. Regardless, uh, at the at the risk of taking the bait and answering the question, intuitively it strikes me that with its proximity to the new courthouse annex, that it would be best served to have ancillary services related to the courthouse. And principally, when I talk about that, I mean law offices yeah. and and supporting services, mm -hmm. paralegals. Uh, all that kind of thing. When you have, for example, settlement conferences, you need meeting space, you know, where do you want to go? Well, how about right next door? Um, in my view, what you could do is you could uh, subdivide the ownership and turn them into office condos and, and give uh, individual law firms one or more floors. That way they could have their own ownership in it, build it out to their own specifications. I happen to be a practicing attorney, so I know a little bit about the profile of those people, they like things like being near the courthouse. Oh, of course. They yeah, like so convenient. They like the prestige. They like the architecture. If you go to any lawyer's office, you're going to find a bunch of old timey stuff like gavels and old dusty law books. They love that kind of thing. And the notion that they might occupy a judge's chambers or even a former courtroom. That's pretty neat to them. And I can tell you also, there are tremendous views from there. You can see the Mississippi River. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a great location for all of that. So I think that that would be a, a very obvious uh, connection. In addition, because as we said earlier, the county shorted itself by one floor for the new courthouse annex, um, they need more space. And you could connect the two buildings with a bridge, and you could lease out more space. That could be record storage. You could have a non-heightened security access to it, so, so not for judges and people who are concerned about their safety, but rather for documents and files and so forth that would be proximate to the, to the new courthouse and, and, a, and a safe place to store things. Now, if, you, if we broaden our thinking a little bit, and I think that we would be well served to do so, we might say, well, the county administration building, the former uh, modern Woodman building, is also historically uh, and architecturally quite attractive, and it really needs a lot of work, too. And because it's a little bit farther away from the courthouse activities, it might have uses that wouldn't necessarily have to be governmental in nature or court courtroom in nature, but rather could be mixed use. So what you could do is renovate the historic courthouse, outfit it as offices for the county administration services, relocate all of those services, service, excuse me, services in a newly restored historic courthouse. They would, it would be a beautiful space for them to occupy. You lease it back to the county. You could give them a, a purchase right to buy it if they wanted to buy it over time. And meanwhile, you take the, mo the old modern Woodman building, and you could do some really neat stuff in there that could include mixed uses like housing, uh, could include senior housing, uh, low-income housing, and high-end housing. I mean, we're seeing more and more models that move toward mixed uses. It could have some retail um, and, and really repurpose that building as well. So if we, if we wanted to do, as I say, broad thinking, that would be a smart thing to do. Have you done any studies in regard to you know these um, ideas, uh, informal or formal, uh, locally? Is there anyone that you know of that would be interested? 
Um, so you can say, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, I've already talked to X number of people and they would love to do this. Or have you done any sort of formal studies that have shown, yeah, you know, this is underserved. This is something that uh, would really be needed in the area and we feel would um, you know, be advantageous to pursue. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier in our discussion, we own a lot of commercial real estate. So we have probably about a quarter of a million square feet of office space here in the Quad Cities. So we're, we're, we probably know more about the office market than most people. Um, we have attorneys who are our tenants already, and we have att- attorneys who have approached us to be our tenants. Um, not in the courthouse. We don't own that yet. But, but so we, I think we have our finger on the pulse of what possible uses there could be. In addition, I will add, when I've uh, expressed an interest in re- restoring this, the former mayor of Rock Island uh, named Mark Schwebert told me uh, he was, I, I think, uh, very discouraging for reasons I don't understand of the future of the courthouse. But he said, well, you really should go save the first national bank building, which is now owned by Modern Woodman, mm-hmm. and Modern Woodman would like to tear it down. And by the way, I'm told that Modern Woodman wants to tear it down because they don't want to pay the property taxes anymore, mm-hmm. and who can blame them? But regardless, the, uh, it was uh, largely unoccupied, but at the mayor's suggestion, I went to to see the building, and I met one of the current tenants, and it's lawyers. It, there's two law firms that are in that building. So um, you asked if I've done any informal studies. That, that's as informal as it gets, and what I, it confirms for me that People who want to uh, be downtown and be near the courthouse, that includes these lawyers, and I think the courthouse would be a good, uh, the historic courthouse would be good offices for them. Again, also, more anecdotally, I was walking into a local restaurant recently, a colleague of mine who is an executive at a bank. Um, came up to me and said, thank you for trying to save the courthouse. I get that a lot. I go to the John Deere Classic. People come up to me. Every public event I'm at, people say, thank you for trying to save the courthouse. I think that, that, that the board members misunderstand or how many thousands of people want us to say, save this courthouse. And nobody else is foolish enough as I am to take, <laughs> to take the time to keep trying to do this, right? So um, I'm, I keep fighting. I, those people are out you know, leading their lives and making money, and here I am trying to, to, to fight City Hall, or in this case, the, the county government. But regardless... I, I walk into this restaurant, this bank executive says, I really thank you for doing this. And by the way, I have a lot of friends who are lawyers. They'd love to be in there. So, um, but, but what you, a lot of people sit on the sidelines until there's an opportunity sure. to do something. So in the case of the offer that I made um, last night to the, to the county board, I think that if, if they pursue that offer, we may get more bids from other prospective developers. So if you're an outfit like a company called Restoration St. Louis, which has done a lot of the renovation in downtown Davenport, Mm -hmm. which we are all very proud of, uh, they've expressed an interest in that, and they contact the county, and the county says, go pound sand, we don't want to talk to you. Well, if you're Restoration St. Louis, why would you keep beating your head against the wall? So there are thousands of old buildings in America. They can invest in any of them. Why would they want to be in Rock Island County when they're not welcome there? So, again, you know, it's sort of our hometown. It's where my dad grew up. That's why we want to support it. Um, But regardless, if we can get 
the county to be receptive to the idea whether or not we'd be the developer happy to do it but it may also convert to another developer like a restoration st louis particularly if you add to the component that i'm talking about by also preserving the county administration building where now you really have a lot of square footage and a lot of opportunity uh, that they may want to take on again i'm happy to do it i'm not seeking for this to be the most profitable thing in the world uh, for, for me and if another entity can do it more profitably i would wish them well in doing it i just think it's worth worth preserving but that's that's where we're at on that um there are also a number of um from what i gather a number of um historical entities and um you know like you mentioned restore st louis that uh would like to see this 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 restored um how entwined are you with them how closely have you worked with any other um historical societies or restoration societies things of that nature um to not only um, take a look at the the feasibility of the project but also to help you in regard to navigating any other you know pathways to profitability or anything of that nature yeah well this is a good segue to an important part of the project which relates to the historic tax credits mm -hmm. and so in the 1980s uh, president reagan introduced federal historic tax credits as an incentive to restore these old historic buildings and to stimulate the economy and it has been quite successful in doing so so for all that time we've had a, a 20 percent federal tax credit for that and in the state of iowa we've had kind of a complementary state historic tax credit as well and that's why we've seen so much more historic preservation on the iowa side of the mississippi river compared with the illinois side but here's an interesting recent event uh, the state legislature in Illinois passed a law, and by the way, our local representative, Mike Halpin, was one of the champions of this new legislation that now provides for a 25% state historic tax credit for, his, for this historic re renovation. And we've all paid into that system, and if we don't have one of those projects in our area, that those tax dollars will then go to some other project in Springfield, in Rockford, mm -hmm. in Peoria, somewhere else. So this is an opportunity for us to return that money home. So if you say, what, how does the business of this renovation work? You say, well, I'm going to put $8 million into the thing, but I'm going to get almost $4 million back in federal and state tax credits. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to shop at Marshall's, right? I like to get sure, a good deal. Yeah. And so you can, this is a way for a developer, whether that's me or anybody else, to get this really fabulous opportunity for basically 50 cents on the dollar. It happens also to be in an enterprise zone, and I've talked to Mayor Mike Tony about this so the sales taxes would be abated in a project like this as well so there's um, a, a lot of financial opportunity uh, that people don't really know about um, and and we've navigated uh, that system before both in the case of the Abbey and Bettendorf and Abbey Station in Rock Island where we earned tax credits uh, during that though in the case of uh, we didn't have the benefit of the Illinois tax credits at the time we did Abbey Station and if you do happen to partner with a financial institution, I'm in discussions with a bank about financing this project for us, they have the expertise to help process the tax credits uh, because as you 
indicate it's, it can be kind of a complicated thing. Um, and and I can tell you that on on the side of the supporters, we uh, maybe a motley band of characters, but but we have a variety. It's very interesting. It's- <laughs> the, the the fact that I look at the the people on the board that support are predominantly Republicans. Right. The people who are protesting are predominantly Democrats, yeah. and not only Democrats, but very to the left yeah. progressive Democrats. Yeah. So it's a very interesting when you see very conservative Republicans and very progressive Democrats agreeing on something. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the case of the Republican side of it, it gets it gets back to you know how President Reagan put forward the historic tax credits to begin with, because it it joins together this honoring of history mm-hmm. and economic stimulation. It's fiscally, and again, that's what I mentioned before. Is that's one of my biggest you know concerns about it is as a you know looking at it from a fiscally conservative standpoint, somebody who's concerned about their taxes that is of paramount concern is what are you going to do with this that's going to ameliorate our tax burden that's right that's right and and to get back to a subject you raised earlier this converts it from a public asset which pays no taxes mm-hmm. property taxes to privately owned which would pay property yes. taxes and and that's important and you, you know you talked earlier about Kai Swanson who serves on the board he also happens to work at Augustana College and um pretty much make sure that people know that his identity is inseparable from Augustana College. So let's talk about Augustana College. It happens to be one of the wealthiest institutions in our community. They they educate principally people from, from the, the most um, affluent neighborhoods and, and towns that surround Chicagoland. That's mm-hmm. where they get most of their students. My sister graduated from there. Yes, there she's an alumnus of Augustana, and I, of course we grew up in Chicago. So. Well, there you go. Proves the point. Yeah. And so those, those kids uh, come in, and Mr. Swanson is accustomed to generating revenue from taking in the form of, of tuition or in the form mm-hmm. of big donors. I don't think that I, I, I could be wrong. I don't think Mr. Swanson has ever had a business where he's had to employ anybody. I don't think he's ever signed the front of a paycheck. He has no conception, in my view, of how business works. And 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 why should he? Because in the case of Augustana College, they have a wealthy endowment, and they own hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate for which they pay essentially no property taxes and want all of the same services that all of the other uh, participants in Rock Island County want. So people often talk about paying your fair share. And by the way, he's one who makes such comments all the time. Augustana College is not paying its fair share. And it's and it's a it's very hypocritical of him to stand up and to tax single mothers and uh, senior citizens more and more every year he endorses these property tax increases. Meanwhile, Augustana College pays basically nothing. And again, Kai, if you'd like to come on the show and refute this, you're more than welcome to do so. Same thing with anybody who is has a is out there listening and saying that's wrong. That's you know, Joe, you're wrong. Please feel free to come on the show. I'm very happy to have anyone on. To and in fact, if you want to all come on at once, I've been very my door is wide open to that. I would love to have both sides sit down so you could debate these things because you may be wrong. I don't know. I don't have the research in front of me. You may be wrong about that, and Kai or whoever may be out there saying that's incorrect. That's an incorrect fact. I don't know that. I don't have it the data in front of me. So well, by all means, if you have it, feel free to come forth and and. 
mention that because again this is all about transparency this is all about getting the information out there in as, as complete a form as possible so that people can make up their minds based upon the whole story which we have not gotten I, I can send you uh, all the parcel numbers that are owned by Augustana College and all of the taxes that they pay for all of them and I can there there I can show you show you their form 990 which is their annual tax return which shows what they're claiming the value of the properties are the, the value of their endowment this is all public information so i'm it, it, this it's not a secret fair enough um one of the big questions uh, we got as well was how quickly would you be ready to start uh do you you know this is going to take a while to get the eight million dollars together is this something that like say tomorrow like they're like okay fine uncle we give you guys oh you got us we're sick and tired of dealing with you here we're going to sell you the damn building how quick are you gonna are you ready to start moving forward on this well i could start immediately i mean i don't um you know 30 60 days something like that Mm -hmm. um i think that the initial uh delay would be caused by doing very sensible studies about what what needs to happen to the interior um a lot of that would have to do with uh, people talk about the aging infrastructure. They're right. I mean, you'd have to install new uh, heating and air conditioning, mm-hmm. new plumbing, new electrical. And as we did here in the Abbey where we're sitting today, and so th- that's an absolutely achievable thing, and it takes engineers and architects, and uh, it's definitely above my pay grade, but people smarter than I am know how to do those kinds of things. That takes time. But, um, you know, really, the building's not going anywhere. I think that we would, you know, remove the fences that are around it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, there, there are holes in the roof. Um, I, I have to tell you that um, the, the, the holes in the roof that allow the water to intrude strikes me as a very obvious intentional way to try to diminish the value of the building to just to try to discourage people like me and i can tell you because it's involved in litigation and because there's a temporary restraining order that is enjoining them from causing damage on the building they're in violation of that restraining order and i think that they're going to be liable for damages that they've caused over the past year by their failure to maintain the building so it's uh which is going to cost us more money yeah and 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 why do the county board members not care because it's our money and not theirs um so uh tell us about that was another one of the arguments was well this is involved in litigation now and it's tied up in a bunch of contracts so we can't sell it um how do you cut through that yeah, this is another red herring that the so-called opponents of preservation have been presenting to us for a long time. So it's interesting. We, we said, you know, you, you have to please respond to the needs of the community who want to try to save this building. And they said, no, we're going to tear it down anyway. And we said, please don't. And they, and they looked us in the face and they shouted at us and they said, so sue us. And so people did. In the, in the first instance, it was this local architect named Lo Milani. And then after uh, they found out that I was getting involved in this, Landmarks Illinois came on board, and they uh, got, got the state to issue a letter stating that, that the county was in violation of state law. And the county refused to comply with that. And as a result, the city of Rock Island denied them a demolition permit. And then... When, when the county stated its preference not to comply, then Landmarks Illinois filed 
a, a lawsuit, by the way, by what they call a white shoe firm, Jenner and Block from Chicago, one of the very best in America. They're taking the case on pro bono. So, um, and, you know, there are people, you know, legions of people, not just in our community, who respect the, the value of this. And so, yes, it's true that it's involved in litigation. I am not a party to any of that litigation. So any of the board members can talk to me freely about this uh, in, in a public meeting or in a private meeting. And, and I'll be happy to talk to any of them. So it's, it's a, a complete... Uh, misstatement to say that they can't work with me on this. And by the way, if you get, if, how would you cut through the litigation if you were? How, how do you get through it to make the purchase and get through any of the lawsuits that are currently pending? Yeah. So, so Landmarks Illinois issued a settlement offer to the county now not nine months or so ago, and Chairman Brunk refused to send it to to the board members. So. The Landmarks Illinois wants the building to preserve. They don't care about winning the lawsuit. They want the end result to be the preservation of the building. So whatever deal that they would make with me or any other preservationist developer uh, would immediately obviate the need for the lawsuit. Landmarks Illinois would settle it immediately um, and and uh, dismiss the case. So um, it it. You know, usually people, when faced with litigation, ask the question, how can I resolve this without having to go to court? Mm -hmm. Not the county. The county says, for reasons unknown to me, we, we want to prove that we're right about this. I don't know what they care, but they do, apparently. And, and who they want to fund it? We, the taxpayers, and mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a shame. They should they should have the opposite reaction, which is to say, they should say. Um, why aren't we working with the community? Why do we have so many people irate at us that we're getting sued all the time? Yeah. Anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap things up, Joe? No, I just want to compliment you on taking the time to explore these very important issues, and I credit you. You know, when when we started our conversation, you were telling me about your concept of the long form interview, and I think it's very valuable. And I appreciate the time to get all of this information out because the county has restricted us to three minutes at a time mm -hmm. for the past eighteen months, and so this is a, a wonderful opportunity to have a more thorough dialogue about it, and we really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Joe. And again, you're uh, the door's open to come back on the show, and I, um, as this progresses, I will invite you to come back on the show. And again, I want to emphasize for those of you who are listening out there, uh, thank you very much for listening, those of you who are, you know, people who are just listening to the show, um, those of you who are listening from the county board or anyone affiliated with that, anyone who Joe has mentioned here, again, I wholeheartedly invite you to come on the show. Sean, S-E-A-N, at quadcities.com sean at quadcities.com is my email please email me let me know you want to be on the show if you're ticked about something joe said you want to refute it that's wrong i am more than well happy to have you on the show to refute it give your side and again i invite both sides i would love to have a sit down with members from both sides of this argument to discuss it on the show so again I know you mentioned Mike, Kai, uh, Mr. Broad, you know, uh, any, of, any of these folks, I invite you guys to come on the show. I would love to hear from you because I'd love to hear your side, too. I'd love to hear the details of, you know, what you're thinking as well. Because, again, as a taxpayer, I want to get the full story. And I know all the people out there who are listening want to get the full story. We want to know everything that's going on here so we can make an informed decision. And the only way 
any of us are going to be able to make a fully informed decision is by getting the full information from both sides. And so, again, the invitation is open. By all means, feel free to contact me, Sean, at quadcities.com if you would like to be a guest on the show. And as always, it's uncut, it's unedited, it's uncensored. Anything that is said is on the show. I never edit this show. So Good thing we, we didn't cuss. <laughs> you can cuss all you want. Like, you can cuss all you fucking want to. <laughs> so, so that's a, you know, it, it is completely unedited. So you can say whatever you want to on the show. If there is anything that I feel is, you know, libelous or slanderous or anything like that, I do put in that it is personal opinion. I do, you know, refute those, you know, anything that is, you know, kind of teeters on that line in regard to that. <clears throat> and as we mentioned, a couple of things you said today, I th- you know, this is your opinion is, you know, for up to, you know, anybody who wants to come on and refute it, that's fine with me. So anyway, long-winded way of saying we're hoping to get some, a lot of other people on the show as well because we love to cover this topic uh, as fully as we can. And again, thanks a lot for listening. I'm Sean Leary. This is QC Uncut, uncut, uncensored, unedited conversation about topics of interest in the Quad Cities. I want to thank my guest, Joe Lemon, for appearing on the show. And um, thank you. Continue to tune in to uh, quadcities.com and QC Uncut for more information on this very important topic. And have a great day.